What's up, everybody? My guest on the show today is <laughs> is Heather, and she is a yoga teacher, and she does lots of other things too, and she has a great outlook on life. And so we just talk about it. I hope you enjoy the episode. Here we go. What's the number one thing that you've learned about people from being a teacher for so long? It's a good question. Uh, one of the things that I've been really digging into are different types of people and Enneagram and Myers-Briggs personality profiling and learning styles. And mm -hmm. from being a teacher, one of the most important things that I've learned is that everybody's different and they all view the world differently. And mm -hmm. if you as a teacher can harness the compassion to be able to identify different types of people and learn how to respond to them, then it could be a really effective tool in getting people to learn. Mm -hmm. Like what kind of what kind of differences? Like what what are the most notable noticeable things? Like the way that people see the world differently. Like how so? Are you familiar with the Enneagram? With that one, no. But uh, I am with Myers Briggs. I think Myers Briggs is the whole ENFP type thing, right? That's right. Uh, okay. the, the Enneagram just goes a little bit deeper. It's a, it's a really sophisticated, complex tool that you can use in order to really pick apart not just your personality type, but your key motivations and your fears. And some of the different types of people, uh, there's nine different types. You have type one, which is the reformer, the perfectionist. Type two, which is the, the helper, the giver, the somebody who's sacrificing their own needs for other people. Type three, the achiever, somebody who's constantly trying to be admired and be the best. Type four, the individualist who's trying to be unique and experience depth and emotion. Type five is the investigator. So they're a very cerebral type hoarding energy, likes to be an observer of the world. Type six is the loyalist and, and they like security and to feel safe and to be among a big group of people. Uh, type seven is the enthusiast. They're like the optimist to a fault, the, the fun loving ones who love, have a thirst for adventure. Type eights are the challengers. They, they like to, to face things head on. They're very take charge. They're not afraid to, to be bold. And, they, and then there's type nine, which is the peacemaker, which is much more of a mediator type person, likes to keep their inner peace stable. So those are the different types of people. Okay. Now, do, are there overlap in those categories? Like if you're a nine, can you also, do you also act as a three in some circumstances? Or is it like, this is who you are? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, we get, it gets so deep into, you have wings. So any type that's around your type. So for instance, I'm a two, uh, but okay. my, okay. my wing is three. And so you tend to act on the spectrum between mm -hmm. one of your wings and then you have, you have subtypes and then you have tri-types and you have the three centers, the head, the heart and the gut and the body. 
and you have a dominant type in each of these centers, which can make you seem like you're a four if you're a nine, but it just might mean that your dominant type in the heart center is four, but your main type mm -hmm. is nine. Mm -hmm. And so you're a, a two, you said? I'm a two wing three, yeah. A two wing three, and the two is a what again? The an open, what was it? The helper. The helper, the helper. Okay. Yeah. And they oh, like well, to explain. So yeah, tell me that. Tell me about the helper. <laughs> they like to to give mostly to other people. They have a hard time saying no. They can be kind of a people pleaser type and uh, tend to take on too much for other people and neglect their own needs, which can be pretty problematic for burnout and things like that. Uh, their basic motivation, their basic need is to be loved and to be needed. And their basic fear is to be worthless and, and, and not valuable to people. And it's hard to be a, it's hard for me, especially in my earlier, more immature years, when I would take on way too much and overwhelm yeah. myself, especially with teaching. But as you begin to move into the healthier versions of yourself, you can learn how to take care of yourself as a teacher and as a person, and then learn to identify how other people are experiencing the world and try to compassionately help them find the most healthy version of themselves. Uh, and now, uh, do you do you think? Oh, shoot, what was I going to say? I forgot the one thing. But people, uh, well, me, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> Like what you said with being like find discovery in the healthier versions of yourself or, or how to live more healthy. I'm and I'm still in a very immature version of myself, but in a couple <laughs> of ways, I like with that part where you were like when I was an immature version of me, like that's me right now. Like I'm so looking forward to the more mature version of me. Because <laughs> uh, like I've 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 had little tastes of growth where I've changed things in my life and it just feels so good. Uh, but then in those, cause once I like made those changes to introduce a different, like healthy aspect of living, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And then you, you look back and, or me, I look back and I'm like, how was I doing that to myself? Like, it's just so crazy. And I know I have so many stupid things that I do and that I just do to myself now, I know those things are all there. Uh, and so I'm very much looking forward to, the, to maturing and getting to those more healthy parts. And now with, like, with being so well-versed in that, what is it, Enneagram? Enneagram. Enneagram. Do you, do you kind of use it to uh, not analyze, but kind of look at your students in a different way and try to, to figure out which number they would fall in so you could best interact with them? Is that how you use it on a daily basis or, or how? Yeah, I, I want to go back to what you said about growth uh, really quick and just tell you that like it's so not linear. It's so all over the place. Okay. Uh, I know I go, I experience growth in some areas and then, you know, you experience disintegration in other areas uh -huh. and it's just this constant ebb and flow. So when we get to the healthy versions of ourselves, uh, sometimes we're introduced to a more trying period in our life where mm -hmm. we are experiencing disintegration and mm -hmm. that's okay. Like that's mm -hmm. just, that's just life. But mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to using the Enneagram on a daily basis, I do use it 
uh, with my students, but primarily I use it with my staff and my interns Uh and people, people around me. Uh, It just helps, it helps them move into a place of self-discovery and uh, just that place where they can understand themselves and better understand other people and, and, and better understand each other as we're working together. And it's a really useful tool in, um, for me to be more gracious with certain people based on their behaviors or recognize when I need to be a little bit more bold or if I need to be a little bit more, you know, give them some grace. Mm-hmm. It's been useful and discipline for sure. <laughs> it must be fantastic to be your intern. That's like the coolest job. <laughs> that must be phenomenal. Uh, and so, wait, so do you have your like your interns and the, your coworkers, do, have they all taken it? Oh, you bet. <laughs> uh, and then does like everybody, do you share it with everybody? Does everybody share what their results are or does everybody kind of keep it to themselves? It depends. With my staff, we'll share it with everybody and we'll talk about, and I've, I've put together a few presentations on uh, what the Enneagram is, how you can use Enneagram with leadership and learn how to be a life-giving leader through the Enneagram. And then when it comes to my interns, normally we'll just talk about it one-on-one. We'll go through Myers-Briggs, we'll go through Enneagram, we'll go through Finders, just to be able to to dig deeper into themselves and figure out where they can really utilize their strengths mm-hmm. in whatever they do. Yeah. The, the journey of self, self-discovery, like as cliche it is, it, as it is, is so, it's one, extremely exciting, but then, but it, and it's so important because uh, everybody, like, it sounds so cliche, it sounds so corny to like self-discovery, but so far I, in the last like, two years has when it's really started with me and when I've started to be okay with myself and finding out like the areas of who I really am, what I really like, uh, who I really want to be, like what I'm okay, I'm okay with. Uh, and it's super uncomfortable, but it's, it's a, it's a really exciting time because once I've been starting to break through like the, the areas of being uncomfortable and the stages of being uncomfortable, I've grown so much like the, the breaking through that threshold is so much better and so much more worth it than uh, like staying in the, like your comfort zone, basically. Uh, Absolutely. And so when like, I would, does it ever, do you think it ever stops the, the journey of self discovery? I don't think so. Uh, I think it's it becomes a humble self knowledge. Okay. At a at a certain point where you have an understanding of who you are at your core, and mm-hmm. you're never gonna. I mean, you're gonna be constantly peeling off layers mm-hmm. of yourself as you as you grow and as you mature and as you cognitively become aware of some of your triggers and your pitfalls, and that's a very humbling. Mm-hmm. understanding that and it's just going to keep getting more exciting and the people that you surround yourself with you know getting getting married and having mm-hmm. kids you're going to be able to see some of that in your kids and they're going to point out stuff in you that you would have never seen and mm-hmm. it's a it's definitely an ongoing journey kind of like yoga <laughs> you yeah. the more you know the less you know mm-hmm. you know what i'm kind of not kind of afraid of one of <laughs> this is actually one of my biggest fears is reaching a point in 
like in my age where because at least my assumption or what I've heard from a lot of people is it's it's pretty hard to change once you become an adult or or once you become like a certain age. And one of my biggest fears is reaching that certain age and having fossilized bad habits or fossilized bad mindsets or, or ways of looking at the world. Uh, and like, that's something I'm legitimately petrified about. Yeah, that's, that's actually a really good point because I think all of us tend to do that. We tend to kind of fossilize into mm-hmm. our way of doing things and the way we are. but the more that you dig in and start to peel back layers, the more you can identify those habits and those fossilizations. They they don't necessarily always have to change, but it's it's like stat. If you let's say you're with another person and you're you're getting into a relationship with this person, you kind of stack up your fossilized habits against their fossilized uh, habits and, and you see, you know, what, what uh, can work and, you know, what do we have to try to chip away at? What do we have to try to uh, sculpt out of our fossilized habits? And it can be really good or it, you could just say, Hey, you know, these are just never going to work and uh-huh. that's okay. Huh. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> in all my previous relationships. That's exactly what's happened. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it hasn't ended up with success. <laughs> and that's okay. Yeah. Uh, huh. Why? Why do you think? Why do you think people are either not aware of their fossil? Because sometimes I look at people and who are older or who just or even around who are younger, and I and I look at them and I'm like, how do you not realize this? this this negative trait of yours that is is health, unhealthy in most ways and you see it a lot in older people you see it i see it a lot with younger people like and it, and, it, and i always question like how how do you not realize this unhealthy aspect of your life but then i ask myself what what unhealthy aspects of my life am i unaware of or choosing not to see uh and so i guess here's a question like why do you think me and some people are okay with their with their uh, like degeneracy or their their shortcomings. That's a really good one. <laughs> I guess like why with... are we why are we okay with the crap in our lives? Why do we why do we keep it and what like turn a blind eye to our own ah. garbage? We all have blind spots and uh, sometimes, sometimes the blind spots, you know, we just don't, we don't want to look at them. We don't want to look at ourselves in the mirror and and pick apart all the, the negative things about ourselves. And there's some types of people that have a harder time with looking at their shortcomings than other people. Mm -hmm. And there are certain types of people who are always, always, always trying to work on their shortcomings and trying mm-hmm. to get better. And then there are others who are uncomfortable with, even though they know it's there, they're uncomfortable with it and they just choose to ignore it. And mm-hmm. that unfortunately, both of those things in extreme directions can be detrimental to relationships. Yeah. hmm if you're constantly focusing on things that you need to work on and you're not accepting of some of the things that are just, you know, you're never going to be perfect at and that's okay, mm-hmm. but you're just, you're humble about it. And on the flip side, if you're constantly trying to ignore the bad things and trying to ignore the 
the layers that you need to peel off. You're just going to keep stacking layers on top of that. And it's going to get deeper and deeper and harder and harder to, to uncover them without a lot of pain coming to you all at once. Mm-hmm. I, so I definitely, I definitely fall on the side of, uh, like the constantly trying to fix the the bad parts of your life or where you're not perfect. And what it yeah. leads to in in my life is that I'm rarely, not really, I'm never content. I'm never okay with where I'm at because I'm always looking for how to get better or where in my life to get better or what in my life to change. And so it leads to me seriously rarely or almost never being okay with the present. And I've started to notice that uh, over the last couple of years. And I'm kind of in this limbo of where like this, like this, like trying to manage the tension of, okay, it's good to get better, but it's also, it's, it, but it's not good to be discontent. Uh, and so I'm, I've, I've been trying to figure out like what the balance of that is, because I want to keep getting better, but I don't want it to consume my life. Yeah, uh, that reminds me. And first, I want to say that you can never type somebody else from the outside in. It always comes from the inside. And so you always kind of look at the different types and you see, okay, that makes me feel really seen and really vulnerable. And so that might be me. But um, what I think of immediately when, when you say that is, the the type seven, which is this kind of thirst for something new, you know, going to the newest entrepreneurial entrepreneurial adventure, moving to this new country, uh, getting involved with all these new activities and all these new people. And there is a lack of contentment in that because it's always striving to do more and, and be more. And one of the there's a centering practice for each type of person that mm. helps them kind of tune inward and the word that is centering for a type seven is sobriety. And and that's not in the sense of, of alcoholism, but Mm -hmm. sobriety in in the sense of uh, moving away from the addiction of the striving to do something more and better and all over the place. It's Mm -hmm. a sobriety and a contentment and a consistency. Mm -hmm. And that can, a centering practice for someone of that type is to dig into some meditation, some mindfulness, yoga, <laughs> which is really good for keeping you in the present moment and making you content. Yeah. Hmm. Very interesting. I, uh, when I, when I said it, when I went on that, not spiel, but w- when I said what I just said, did I cut you off? Were you going to say something? No, uh, no, no, I was just listening to you. Yeah. Um, so like from all this, like from all the, the people that you meet and all everybody who you teach, what do you think, what do you think people need the most? Like, uh, what, what is common amongst your students and what, that they're looking for or something that they need? And especially in this generation, uh, people need a few things. They, huh, I think nice. first of all, <laughs> I think, first of all, they just need to be seen. They want people to look at them in in the eye and Mm -hmm. recognize them and say, Mm -hmm. I see you. I'm here with you. You know, I'm a person just like you and I'm broken just like you. And that also kind of goes into what they need from society 
after this, you know, social media is, is great for so many reasons. But when it comes to the comparison culture or the uh, pedestal culture, you know, mm-hmm. I, I have this phrase, it's a, you know, you want to be free from the pedestal rain because the, the pedestal is what we put people on and we want to be like them. We want to strive to, mm-hmm. to do the things that they do. And so I think it's so important, especially in my classes and even with my employees and my friends to just say, you are where you are right now. And that's beautiful. You don't have to be able to do splits. You don't have to be able to press in a handstand. These things don't bring fulfillment into your life. What is going to bring fulfillment is for you to have genuine connection with other people, to be able to move well, to breathe well, to be able to live the healthiest version of yourself, even if that means you eat chocolate every Tuesday or you drink wine or you uh, you never do a handstand in your life. It gets your mm-hmm. happiness and fulfillment is not contingent upon these external things. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's a necessary amount of external things that somebody needs in their life to have a satisfactory level of happiness and fulfillment? Or do you think fulfillment and satisfaction is completely unreliant on any external factor? I think it totally depends on the type of person. Uh, I think, especially with introverts and extroverts, Mm-hmm. I think introverts can can tend to find more fulfillment from the internal world and inter you know really deep one-on-one connections with people and while an extrovert might find a lot of fulfillment from being surrounded by the senses all the different senses and a bunch of different people and a bunch of different cultures and it really does depend person to person and that's okay too. Mhm. Yeah, I totally think that makes a lot of sense, especially uh, for me since I've been here in Thailand. I've basically been stripped of almost of almost everything. Like almost like almost every way that I've been used to living has been I've been, I've gave it I gave it away. Um, and so I I almost at a a baseline, and I've realized a, a few things that I have in my life or that I currently don't have in my life. I've started to realize the things, like the external things that I do want and that I do, uh, that do add to my life. Like since being oh, here, man. I've realized I don't, I don't need a new iPhone. Uh, like that <laughs> doesn't really add to my satisfaction or my fulfillment at all. Like I'd like a phone, but I don't need my iPhone. Uh, and, but I figured that I, I really do miss my car. Like I, that's something that an external thing, like a luxury item almost that I really wish I had my car. Like that's something that that's an external thing that I, that I know I want, uh, even money. Like I'm, I'm making very little money. Uh, I'm just breaking even, but I, everything that I need to survive, I have, uh, but, and I, and at first I kind of struggled with this thought of, of saying, I, I want more money. Like I have enough (laughs) To pay my my loans uh, and enough to live, uh, and I don't. I'm still kind of wrestling with it. If if it's something that I should be totally okay with, or if it's okay for me to like have the desire of just wanting a little bit, like a, a little bit more money. Uh, and so that's something that I'm wrestling right now with, with the money thing. And 
everybody kind of says, oh, money isn't important. You that shouldn't you shouldn't have that be a like a, a value of your life. But now that I have very little of it, I'm realizing the importance of it and how, in a good way, it can add to your life having a little bit of extra money. Yeah, you bring up a really good point because this this translates into your work environment in a lot of ways. Uh, few years ago, I was having this conversation about if you're in a workplace and you're making enough money, just, you know, you're, you're satisfied with the amount of money. It's a not an issue. Money doesn't matter, but Mm -hmm. until it becomes an issue until you're underpaid Mm -hmm. and when you feel underpaid and undervalued that, that becomes a huge need in your life. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's something that yeah, money, money doesn't have to rule your life. It's not what you should be constantly striving after in order to gain happiness. But it is something that, you know, puts it helps us feel valued for what we do. You know, we, it helps us feel like we can indulge in certain things that make us happy. And, you know, some people, they like to use some extra money to buy coffee every day or to, to buy a car or to eat at a nice restaurant every week. And that stuff adds to your life yeah money isn't everything but it's the experiences that money can offer yeah that can be really beneficial that's one of the reasons why i'm really happy of reaching this baseline because it's it's given me it's forced me into reassessing a lot of my life and reassessing the value of money reassessing the value of possessions uh reassessing the value of the material things, the clothes that I have in my closet, what I really want, what I really don't care about. Uh, and so I'm super happy about this, even though it's been it's been a struggle every single day. Like I would not quickly say I want to do this again, but <laughs> it it's it's taught me a ton. Um, but it's been a big struggle for sure. But I've reached a good baseline, and it's helped me reassess a lot of things in my life so I'm, I'm happy to bring those lessons into the future yeah that's awesome yeah um you said how the thing that people need most is being seen genuine connection and their health how do you think uh like diet and exercise are and, and overall well overall health is how how closely linked are diet exercise and somebody's overall wellness oh that's that's a super important question and also a really complex one Uh because you know i've been i've been constantly saying this whole time that it varies from person to person and same thing same thing with diet and exercise and and just the lifestyle that you have because there's there's definitely a balance with it. Some people are very very strict with their diet. They only eat certain foods and they're very, you know, un- unrelenting when it comes to deviating from that diet, mm-hmm. which that can be unhealthy in a way mentally. Sure, you know, physically you're putting good stuff in your body, but mentally that can become debilitating and limiting. Uh, same thing with exercise. You can get super into exercise and do it way too much, which mm-hmm. can be really detrimental to your health and your sleep. Or you can do it too little and not gain the benefits from it as far as cardiovascular endurance, strength and flexibility and mobility, balance and, and setting yourself up for health later down the road. So I think everybody should find 
a balance that works for them. You know, sometimes the best diets are the most boring diets. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. just eat real whole foods the best you can, fruits and mm-hmm. vegetables, uh, drink lots of water, and don't be afraid to indulge every now and then. Don't be afraid to eat chocolate. Don't be afraid uh, to eat ice cream. You know, I'm an advocate for don't, don't deprive yourself. Find moderation and mm-hmm. find just a, a nice balance with it. And then yeah. with exercise, do different things. You know, if, if you're not an elite athlete or you're in a bodybuilding or aesthetics competition, you may not need to train so specifically for one thing. You know, mm-hmm. let your body experience different things. Do yoga. You know, you can lift, you can run, you can do the things that you enjoy with the people you enjoy. That's cool. Wait, do you want to hear something really funny about ice cream and Thai people? Yes. Yes. So I love ice cream. It's <laughs> like that's my go-to. I love it so much. I have a romance with ice cream. I think about it during the day. I yes. I like to think that ice cream thinks about me. I daydream <laughs> about it. Like it's something I look forward to. I love ice cream. And my neighbor, her children uh, are my students. And actually, she's my student, too. She's a part of one of my adult classes. And I always hang out with them. And a lot of times we'll go and get ice cream together. And one day, the the mother, she asked me, she goes, John, why do you like ice cream? And I thought that was such a weird question to ask because nobody ever in my entire life has ever questioned why me or anybody else likes ice cream. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And so I asked, I like looked at it really weird, really, really weirdly. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean? Why do I like ice cream? And she goes, uh, Thai, she tells me Thai people, Thai men don't eat ice cream uh, because here it's looked at as like a dessert or a food for women and children. And oh. so, yeah. And so the men here don't indulge in ice cream because it's like a girly thing. And uh, <laughs> she was telling me that her husband, when they were dating, when they were first dating, and she wanted to go get ice cream, that he wouldn't even go into the ice cream shop with her. Like, he, he would sit in the car while she went to go get ice cream. Wow. That's insane. In- insane. Incredible, How right? sad. How sad I for them. Know. <laughs> I know. I felt I looked at this whole this country as a whole and I looked at them with such despair and anguish that the men are missing out on a, the oh, delicacy of dessert of ice cream. And, but, and the husband, he's incredible. He's so awesome. Just a re- like a super nice, like a really good guy. So it's not like he's a jerk or anything like that. Uh, but it's just a thing here that time and since she told me that. I've tried to look and look for men, like whenever I go to the grocery store buying ice cream or looking at a guy eat ice cream, I've been trying to single out those people. And I'm sure I've seen, I'm sure I've seen it, but I can't remember anything in particular of a guy going and eating ice cream and me thinking, oh, wow, a guy's eating ice cream. He's he's on the edge here in this country. He's a pretty progressive thinker. That is so funny. That's I love different cultures. They're so interesting. So weird. So crazy. Oh, man. (laughs) But the thing that I've learned the most about where something that I've learned and got to experience is that 
even though that's so that's a humongous difference between me and all the men in this country uh and let's take that as an example like on the outside we're very different in that regard but what i've learned since being here uh and through reading and through uh traveling like before this i've come to the conclusion that on the like the core of who people are like the deep down the deepest part of who we are is totally completely the same like i can look at the a thai man in the face who has different color skin than me who has different bone structure who has different hair who was raised in a totally completely different way our mindsets are the way our we think is so different but we get to look at each other and we can connect and i could look at that person who is on the outside totally completely different than me in almost every way and i know that we're all the same and that there's just a a collective human quality in everybody and that deep down we really all want the same thing we all want to be loved we all want people to love we all want responsibility and we all want to have fun and that that's like those four things are are what i have confidence confidence in so far as to to something that everybody wants no matter what culture and that's a lot of what sums up like the the human condition at least that's those oh, yeah. observations so far oh man yeah that goes that goes back to that whole connection transcends culture yeah. type thing yeah and we are so vastly different but we can still connect on a very deep level with people who are just complete aliens to us almost mm-hmm. you know we're in different cultures and different types of people, even between men and women. Yeah. We can feel so alien to each other, but we can also understand each other on such a human level. Mm-hmm. Our brokenness and our pain, we all experience it. Yeah. And it, that's, it's, it's a cool thing to experience here, and especially because uh, most people don't speak English in the community that I live in. Uh, and all my coworkers, none of them speak English except a couple interns, and everybody just knows a few words here and there. And uh, it's really difficult to get that connection. But once you once you do, and even if it's in just a little way, and, if, and even if it's just for a moment, it's one of the coolest things in the world because I could look at this person who's totally completely different than me. We don't even speak the same language, and most of the time, the connection. And in my experience, it lasts for a moment. It lasts for a breath. But that breath is so genuine and it's so authentic because you know there's there's nothing like amplifying the experience. There's no like uh, like uh, connection enhancing drug that's yes. uh, involved <laughs> in it. Uh, like it's just totally genuine. Like in in the states like it's really easy to talk to people and it's really easy to connect on a shallow level uh so a lot of the times like the way that or at least in my experience the way that you connect with people is often pretty shallow uh and uh, since being here it's impossible to connect on a shallow it's only you only get those aspects of connection 
uh, with deep, deep connections. Um, so even though it's really tough, uh, and most of the time, the connection doesn't happen, but when it does happen, it's, it's beautiful. Oh, I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Um, you said something about, uh, well, the, the three things that you said about being seen, genuine connection, health, and, and balance you talked about a lot. But what, is being, like, what does being seen mean to you? Like, how are, how are you best seen? Well, I think first, it comes from being really present with people, uh, with me particularly, when, when somebody is giving me their undivided attention, mm-hmm. when somebody is looking at me in the eye, and when I'm explaining something, whether or not they fully understand what I'm saying, mm-hmm. but they can, they can look at me and they can say, yeah, you know, that makes sense. And they're, they're not waiting for their turn to speak. They're not waiting yeah. to throw their two cents in, but they're mm-hmm. genuinely listening and they're interested. And maybe they ask more questions and mm-hmm. it makes you feel, it makes you feel heard. It makes you feel seen. And mm-hmm. it also, when people, when people look at me and they, they just say, you know, I've, I, I know that there is, is more to you than what you, what you are on a regular basis. You know, the masks and the hats that we wear, yeah. mm-hmm. we, we wear the hat of teacher. We were the hat of boss, you know, the, mm-hmm. the hat of coworker of employee and all those different hats you wear, they can give a different part of yourself, but mm-hmm. it's nice when somebody looks at you and says, yeah, there's something more. There's there's mm-hmm. more to you, and I I kind of want to figure that out. How does somebody do that? How does somebody uh, interact with you in a way that you that you know that they're seeing you on a deeper level, other than just the hat that you're wearing? That's a tough one because <laughs> it's it's not always it's not always the right time for somebody to go deep with you and and oh. things like that. But normally it comes from a place of Hey, let's sit down and let's not just talk about surface level things. You know, let's dig into some of the hard stuff and let's be vulnerable with each other. And because vulnerability is something that's really hard, especially Mm -hmm. for somebody like me. And, you know, I, I put on this, this mask, you know, the, as a heart type, you know, we, we wear these masks where I don't, I portray like I don't have any needs. And I prefer to meet other people's needs. And I sometimes get, I fall into this pride, this Mm -hmm. pride that I can, I can meet everybody's needs better than they can meet mine. And I can, I can suffer through bad situations because I'm strong enough and Uh I can do it. But when somebody says, Hey, you know, take off that mask, really tell me what you need. Like, let's Mm -hmm. talk about it. Let's talk about Mm -hmm. your pride. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about, you know, how your needs aren't being met or, you know, how I can help. That's something that's super important, I think, for people to say, you know, like, who are you behind that mask? Like, what are you, what's your, what's your, um, your main thing that you hide behind? Is it pride? Yeah. Is it, uh, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Now, how do you manage the, the tension of, now, like, are you talking about those, the people who can look at you in that way and interact with you in that way? Are those just the people who you're close with? Or are those people who you sit with at lunch, um, or is it, or or things like that, just reserved for those in your circle, or is it open to to the your coworker or the person who you uh, commute to work with? Like, is it is it o- more open than just the the inner circle? 
Oh my goodness, John. I will say that I used I used to be a lot more just, you know, nobody needs to know anything that's going on with me. Mm-hmm. Nobody needs to know that I have any issues. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm I'm great. I'm great. How are you? you know, how can I help you with your issue? Mm-hmm. The older that I've gotten, yeah. the the less I really care about people knowing kind of the brokenness inside mm-hmm. me. And being a teacher, you always kind of feel like you have to be this picture of perfection or yeah. put it on a pedestal, whatever that is. You need to be this example but I found that sometimes portraying yourself as you got it all together, it, it's counterproductive to what yeah. you're trying to help people with. Uh-huh. And so I've just been able to, I'm trying to expand that vulnerability beyond my inner circle, beyond the people that I uh, can really confide in and just not, not necessarily pour out all of yourself to people whenever you meet them, mm-hmm. but find that balance of, Hey, this is me. I'm a real person. I have real problems. I have real struggles and sins. And, you know, that's, that's part of being a human. Let's connect on that. As you said that, like I, I physically, I'm doing it right now. Like I physically started rocking back and forth because of being (laughs) anxious about thinking about doing that in my life. And I'm I'm literally (laughs) clenching my legs right now with my hands because just the thought of that kind of that stresses me out uh of doing that because that's i i that's me like i don't let i'm i'm that version of you right now is that i don't i I get so uncomfortable letting people in to the actual like dark parts of me and the most the most twisted part about it like not even it's not laughable it's not uh it's not a good thing at all like there's no way to look at it as an okay thing what i do with people is i i let them in to places that are bad in my life but they're the places that i don't really care about they're the places that i don't really care about people knowing but i let them in just enough so that they think i'm being open so that they think i'm being vulnerable so i can check the box of like I can, I'll lie to myself and check the box of saying that I'm letting somebody in and I'm not being closed off. But in reality, those the real, the deep, dark, evil parts of me, like I, I keep those to myself. Uh, but I let people in just enough to make it to kind of get them off my back, really, of saying like, "Oh no, John's pretty honest. He told us that thing. He's not hiding anything." Uh, that's that's where i'm at right now and it's that's one of my biggest struggles and uh i'm kind of i kind of i just said it out loud for i think maybe one of the first times in my life which is nice and now a very few select group of people will do that there's not hundreds of people who listen to this so (laughs) some people i mean You are, I mean, I was just going to say that actually, that even just saying that out loud is, yeah. is an act of vulnerability in and of itself, which is super yeah. awesome. And um, I don't think you're alone in that. I mean, I, I could say the exact same thing. You know, we, we all have thought through some of our vulnerability. We've packaged it and we, we send it out into the world and we're like, this is my vulnerability. Here you go. Mm-hmm. And and the rest gets kept inside. And yeah. so it takes a lot. And it's not just a, hey, how are you? What's your deepest, darkest secrets? Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it takes time 
to peel off those layers. And I don't think those are things you necessarily need to share with everyone, but people that are closest to you, like that will uncover itself after time. Yeah. And that's okay. Now I'm afraid of the people who do listen to this podcast asking me about it. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm your friend. You got to let me, you got to actually let me in. Now I'm afraid that's going to (laughs) happen. It's, it's true. And um, I think one of the most important things for people to do, if somebody is, you know, excuse my language right here, but if somebody's really sharing their shit, Mm -hmm. then I think it's so important for people to be non-judgmental about it. And it, it can really close you up when you tell somebody something and they react in a way that's really judgmental. It can, it can cause a wound to this, this openness that you're trying to cultivate. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you're not going to encounter everybody being non-judgmental. It's just not possible, but yeah. it's whenever you do encounter that a reminding yourself, like, it's okay. You know, that that's on them, but I, I'm going to continue to, to let myself be open and not be wounded by judgment. Yeah. And that's the thing. I, I think I do a really good job at, uh, understanding other people and understanding other people's faults, but I don't do a good job at trusting other people to understand my faults. Uh, and I think that's one of the roots of me keeping all that stuff in. Uh, but it's like this weird, this crazy, like, uh, what's it, what's the word? Uh, when something is, ah, what's the word? Dang it. But Catch 22? I do a catch 22, but also if something is not biased, but, uh, like, if something was okay for boys, but not okay with, for girls, what is that called? Oh, a double standard. Double, double standard. standard. Yeah. Such a, it's a, such a double standard because I, I, know in, I know in me that I could look at somebody's faults and understand it and be like, hey, like everybody's, everybody's got their problems and I can understand other people really well, but I don't let people, I don't trust people to understand me, which is a double standard and a, and a weird one, too. Oh, uh, absolutely. I feel the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. uh oh shoot what was i gonna say and uh oh sorry no don't worry i forgot about it anyway uh very good this this is a perfect time to ask one of the questions that i ask everybody i ask two questions to everybody and i don't tell them about the two specific questions uh that everybody gets asked and this first question is very important it's a very important question to me and i love the answer (laughs) to this question uh, and I think it's one of it's one of the questions that I think helps people a lot. Uh, and so, Heather, I right now want to know the your favorite song, your favorite song right now. It might not be your favorite song of all time, but your favorite song at this moment, the one that you go back to and you're like, ah, I just found this song or this song's been in my headphones uh, the most recently. Oh my goodness. Well, I need to think about that because ah. I, you know me, because I, I'm listening to music constantly because mm-hmm. of my job and I'm just always listening to brand new things. And I, if I'm thinking about a song that I'm playing on repeat, uh-huh. my goodness, this is a super important question and I'm totally I blowing it. Because I, <laughs> I listen to music from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to sleep. It's everything. It's all throughout my day. So I love this question. Now I'm really just talking right now. So I'm giving you time to think. So you really don't have to listen to a word I'm saying right now. You can just keep thinking about your, your song. Uh, okay. But I, uh, 
because I love to find new music. And one of the reasons I ask this question is because I'm a little bit selfish. Well, I'm a lot of it selfish, and this is a reflection of that selfishness because I just like hearing new songs and getting to hear new music. So that's one of the reasons I ask people. But well, the unselfish version of that the question is, I know how much music does for me, and so I like discovering new music, and I want other people to be able to discover new music too. Uh, and so I like it when people get to hear, if they listen to this podcast, they get to hear a new song because music is, is so important for me. So I want to I wanna spread the spread the knowledge of music. Okay, I have a few songs that I play on repeat. There you go. Here we go. Nice. All right. <laughs> I know. I, I okay. One thing you should know about me is is if you ever if you ever ask me my like one favorite song or my one favorite movie, I will never be able to answer that question <laughs> because I just have so many. I know. Yeah, but, I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> but uh, one of the ones that uh, there's there's two by Hill song that have been really influential to me uh-huh. and uh, one of them is days gone by by hillsong mm-hmm. and the other one or hillsong young and free and the second one is highs and lows by the same band and uh-huh. that those two songs were have been awesome and uh-huh. then there's a song by banners called let go and that has been a really a song that i've had on repeat because it's just about letting go of things and not uh-huh. holding on which is something that i always do is just hold on to things and mm-hmm. so i've been really in i've been really into that song because of that and nice. then i listen to a lot of just um sometimes just instrumental edm type vibe music <laughs> what uh any particular artist so many of them my goodness um we have shia Yu. we have um let's see Big Wild. I'm gonna look all these people up. <laughs> there's so there's so many. Um, I have a I have a Spotify, and I have this playlist called Feels Good, and I just mm-hmm. constantly add to it. I just add songs that just inspire me and and feel good. <laughs> yeah. So all if right. you ever get on my Spotify, you can just check out that playlist, and that's will. when there I it is. All to, yeah, when I come back to America. Uh, I'm going to get Spotify and because I wanted to get Spotify <laughs> while here in Thailand, but it, I can't get it because my phone is like linked to America and but and oh, no. I'm in Thai Spotify land. And so there's this disconnect. So I either need to get like a Thai phone or because I and I, so I can't get USA Spotify because I'm not in the United States. Uh I everybody says Spotify is so much better. I've had a little taste of Spotify, and I'm, I've wanted to make the transition to Spotify now for like six months, and I haven't been able to do it, which is really upsetting. Uh, so when I come back to United States, <laughs> I will be going to your Spotify. What's the uh, the playlist again? What's it called? It's called the Feels Good. Feels good. Feels good. Nice. Feels good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you mind if I read? something that you posted on the internet uh i don't know if it was quotes that you that you like made up or like stuff that you've you've heard uh and then you posted to your your account uh but there's some stuff that you wrote on your instagram that hit me deep uh okay 
and I'd like to hear like where any like where it came from from you. Like absolutely, deeply. yeah, awesome. Uh, I went back all the way, and I love it. I love following you on Instagram. Like you always post the best stuff. Like it's so awesome. Like you're one <laughs> of the people. Like a lot of people will post. Uh, like have captions or post pictures that are uh more than just like hey look at this picture but i i whenever i have to click to read more of the caption on almost 100 percent of the people i don't uh but <laughs> yours are the ones that i always read whenever you post one uh, long, i read it and most other people i don't uh i'm but, so honored thank yeah. you yeah so the the things that you post are, are awesome and i wish you posted more because uh, I love it. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Because uh, the things that you do, you have posted are, are incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh, but this one Thank you. is the most recent one that you posted. And so it's cooler to be the most fresh in your mind. Uh, and I think it's one that ah. stood out to me the most. And here, I'll read it. I guess you, you know what I'm talking about. The one from the 10th. The uh, yes. Yeah. It says, you say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Heart hurts beyond a break, a sinking, longing, deepening ache. The separation of mind and heart starts to tear my weary soul apart. Frantically, frantically grasping onto it, but the harder I fight, the longer I don't admit I am shattered. And when I first read that, oh my gosh, that, <laughs> one, it was so well written. It was written so well. Thank and you. two, it, it had a lot of, so much depth to it. What was, like what was going on? What provoked you to to write that? Oh man! Well, I wrote that. I I wrote that while I was crying. Actually, if wow. I'm being completely honest, yeah. it was something really, really real. And uh, you know, it has these echoes of hopelessness in it, in a way. And it's it's not something I you know. Sometimes I'll usually write things that have kind of a silver lining to the end of it and mm -hmm. that one that one I was like if I'm being honest right now this is how I feel mm -hmm. and um uh, it came from a place of just complete brokenness in just what I thought my life was going to be and and if I'm being really truthful and mm -hmm. especially in my relationship and there's just a lot that's that's blowing up in that right now and mm -hmm. it's that and I felt like when people hear what I'm going through with that, you know, a lot of times they can try to say, oh, you know, keep your chin up, uh, you know, keep mm. praying about it, keep uh, keep seeking good things. And mm. sometimes you just are like, no, mm -hmm. you know, just like let me be broken, let me be mm -hmm. shattered, mm -hmm. let me and let me express the fact that I am experiencing this cognitive dissonance, this disparity and ambivalence of, you know, I don't know what I want. I don't know how to proceed from here. And that's, that's really where it came from. What does cognitive dissonance mean? <laughs> well, I hope I'm giving you the right definition. It's just <laughs> kind of one of those phrases that comes to mind. <laughs> it's, uh, well, my definition of it is cognitive dissonance is where your mind is sort of split, it, uh, like duplicity of the mind is a better way of maybe putting it. Okay. And you you might understand and know one thing and maybe want one thing, but you 
you know, the other side of you is, is completely lost. Mm-hmm. You know what other word you taught me? Do you remember I asked you what, what the word residual meant? Yes, after I, yoga. Uh-huh. I now, every time I, I use the word residual now, and every time I use it, I think of the, me asking you. I love that. <laughs> I love people, words. Right? And residual is a word that is pretty common. People, I, people I've, haven't really heard cognitive dissonance too often. I've heard it before, uh, but you don't hear about it too often. But residual, you say a lot. People say a lot. And I didn't know what it meant until I asked you, but now it's, it's in me and it's, and it's in my... Uh, it's imprinted. Yeah. And I, get, and I use it now. And every time I use it, I think of you. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. And, but, but yeah, I totally agree that like, sometimes, and I don't know what it is. I don't know a thing or a bad thing when sometimes you just like, let me, yeah, let me be broken. Like there's no silver lining to this. Don't, I don't want to put my chin up right now. And in reality, I don't think putting my chin up right now would be good for me. Like this, I'm hurting right now. And I think I, I need this hurt. Uh, and, and if it, even if it's, if it's something that, uh, is like just an internal conflict that is, uh, just isolated to yourself, or if it's a conflict that involves other people, like whatever it is, like sometimes there's no, there's no silver lining. Sometimes things just suck. Uh, and so that, it, it really, I really connected with that. Uh, and the part where it says the separation of mind and heart. Like my mind will be saying one thing, my heart says something different, and I don't know which one is true. Uh, yeah. And and it's hard to to figure that out, and and it's just you sometimes feel like there's no escape. It's very yeah, and that's why sometimes it can be even more counterproductive to try to force yourself to come out of it and put mm-hmm. your chin up, because sometimes you just need to be in it for a little while, explore around mm-hmm. the depths of that and mm-hmm. figure out, you know, how to, how to really properly grieve that situation or that feeling mm-hmm. and be in it. Cause if you can't experience and if you don't allow yourself to really explore those types of situations and you just kind of shut them off, like, Oh, I shouldn't feel this way. So I'm not going to, or I shouldn't feel sad. I shouldn't feel broken. I shouldn't feel shattered. Mm-hmm. Then we, we never end up dealing with things and we end up just getting ourselves into similar situations without having learned anything. Yeah. Well, Heather, I can't, I'm not looking at you right now, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry that a portion of your life totally sucks right now. And Thanks. there's, there's something, there's parts of your life that are shattered and it sucks and that's it. I'm sorry. I I feel for you. Uh, and that's it. Thanks. So I, yeah. I, it blows. I'm sorry. Sometimes that's all you can say and all you can yeah. do. And and you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just that's just part of our lives. You know, that's human. You it's you know, it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't yeah. mean that it's you know, it's great. You know, everything's great, but mm-hmm. it means that we can we can all innately relate to each other and say yeah i've been through something really crappy mm-hmm. too and so i'm here i'm with you connected heart to heart yeah something that i've really learned since being here in thailand is just such the simple lesson of sometimes things suck yeah and that's it 
and like there's not that it's supposed to suck but like suck is going to happen that it will there's no way around it like there is always going to be crap that's going on uh and this is uh i've done some reading on buddhism since being here and have talked to some buddhists and have just been exposed to it on a on a deeper level since being here because this is a buddhist country and one of their like i guess not mantras but uh like aspects of their faith or way of life is that life is suffering um yeah and the way that at first when i heard that i was like that sucks and i was like i don't get that <laughs> at all and at first i was like that's stupid i was like that doesn't make any sense at all uh with having the concept that life is suffering but then as i started to do a little bit more reading and understand it a little bit more is that the way that they look at look at that life is suffering is that they have that as almost like the a default as that life is suffering there's no way around it you will suffer but when and so if you have that mindset when good things do happen you're so much more grateful for it because you're of the mindset that that's not common that that's not what life is and so that you're so much more grateful for the good things that do happen in your life when you have the mindset that life is suffering now i don't i don't know if i completely buy into that that life is suffering that the default of life is suffering i don't know if i adhere to that or i, I still got to think about that a little bit more but uh taking a little part of that and realizing that portions of life are suffering has led me to become much more grateful for the things that actually are good in my life to be grateful for the parts of me that aren't shatters to be grateful for the parts of my 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 like my life that are okay and that are good i've become much more grateful once realizing that parts of life are suffering and that's it period yeah yeah i i think you can even translate that into kind of a cliche christian saying where it's uh you can enjoy the mountaintops without the valleys yeah and That's you know Christian. and correct me yeah yeah it's, it's sort of it's Is used it? a lot <laughs> yeah i thought i totally thought that was just like a like a, a regular saying yeah, like a regular thing i didn't know that was christian uh, i love that <laughs> But, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but in Buddhism, they also practice non-attachment, right? Yeah, yeah. Describe that, like, give me, like, non-attachment to material to items. Anything. To anything. Yeah, to really anything. They they strive to be unattached mm -hmm. to, to anything. Mm -hmm. I, and, do, I do think that's true with, because uh, I live around a lot of temples, and a lot of the monks, they have a really strict, uh, pretty, a decently strict way of, of life that I think revolves around being non-attached to certain things. Okay. Yeah. That's, um, it's similar. I'm teaching, I'm doing a yoga teacher training right now where I'm, I'm leading it and we're going through all the different yoga philosophy, Hindu philosophy, even, you know, Buddhism involved. And a lot of it all centers around like very similar to Christianity. And I try to tie it mm -hmm. back into Christianity too, <clears throat> and how life is not supposed to be super, you know, easy and, without suffering and you know we try our best to to live the best way we can but essentially we just have to detach ourselves from the idea and the expectation that it's going to be easy yeah yeah and i and the 
the like the statement life is suffering and pick up your cross are very comparable statements because your a cross it was a device of torture and death uh and as christians we're supposed to pick that up uh and so if you're picking up a torture and basically if you're picking up an electric chair you're gonna have some suffering yeah um i want all right i want to know what's something that that a listener could take with them uh because heather legit i think i think and it doesn't matter what i think about you uh like you are who you are and you're that because of you and like it doesn't really matter what i think about you but i think that that you're relationally who i want to be as a professional I, I i i admire a lot of the things that you do well uh and so i think and that's why being a part of your classes was was, was why i really liked coming because i was able to learn so much from you on a and because you're really genuine you're not a phony uh i think you're one of the the better people that i've met in my life uh and we're not even that close but it's clear to see that that you're legit and of course you have your areas where you're bad you have your masks you hide behind some stuff like you're not mm-hmm. perfect and there's tons of crap that you suck at that i bet if i knew <laughs> i would look at you differently uh and so i'm not saying like you're perfect but like the the the, the parts that we do do know each other and how we've connected have been really good for me and i've learned a lot from you uh and so is there anything that like just something that a listener could take with them in their everyday life that they could something attainable like an action like a first step that somebody can take towards moving towards wellness yeah uh, i think first first step uh is start the journey of self-discovery you know first of all before you start getting into different exercise routines and eating habits and all this other stuff you know Try to dig deep and figure out who you are and what makes you tick and how you can really embrace your fears and your motivations and your flaws and learn how to be more compassionate and non-judgmental to other people in light of that. And mm-hmm. so, you know, take an Enneagram test, take a Myers-Briggs test, read some books, do some research, um, just start digging in and tuning in to who you are. And now what do you say to the person who says the journey of self-discovery is hippy-dippy, esoteric BS. I would say to them <laughs> that, uh, I mean, at that point, like, that's just where they're at. And they may <laughs> not they may not be ready for it. And that's totally okay. okay. But, you know, yeah, it's pretty hippy-dippy, but I'm okay. I'm a pretty hippy-dippy person. I'm pretty hippy-dippy, too. I, like, <laughs> I know. I like yeah. <laughs> How do you know? What do you mean? Yeah, yeah you, you. Oh, I loved it. Uh, you're one of my favorite people, John. It's. Uh, <laughs> I always, I always think about when I, when I, uh, you told me your dream about yoga and how yoga saved your life and your dream. Oh yeah. I was like, he's a hippie from Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> Long Island. Long Island. Sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh, Heather. I hope, I hope you have enough battery for me to tell you this story. I can't believe I haven't brought this up. Seven percent. Oh my gosh, yes, here we go, baby. Uh so I need I need to know if you can corroborate 
my side or my perception of how this went down. And so in one of your classes, I've told this story before on this podcast, and I tell it all the time. So I hope I hope you remember this because this was this was an important aspect of like this was an important event in my life. And so I always I always knew that at some point while I was in yoga, I was going to fart. I knew it was gonna happen at some point, but there was a time, there was a specific day where I farted in one of your classes, and I did going into that class, and right before, like on the precipice of that fart, I had no idea that it was going to happen that day. Like I felt great, and so my like what I experienced in that moment, or what it was for me, is was it was at the end of the class. Whenever we were like just like getting the last final stretches in, uh, and we were about to enter like the relaxation, like five minutes at the end. Uh, and so everybody was super quiet, and we were in a deeper stretch, and we were, I, I had no control over it at all, and it came like a thief in the night and oh just went out. And to me, it was extremely loud, but I wasn't sure if it was as loud as I thought it was. But, and so I was in the front left of the room. I have a friend who had a friend in the class. I didn't know that the girl who was in the class, but I knew that we shared a friend. And so I texted that friend that we shared and I said, hey, can you ask, uh, what's her face? Let's call her Susan for this story. Can you ask Susan if she heard me fart? And now Susan was in the back right of the class I was in the front left of the class. And then what Susan texted back to our friend was dot, 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 everybody heard. And so when my friend said that back to me, I was like, oh my gosh, yes, everybody heard that fart. (laughs) What you did, that was one of the most, and I don't know if you did this on purpose, I don't know what it was, but at the end of the class, I promise you the look that i thought you gave me as i was saying goodbye was you looked at me right in my eyes you didn't say any words about the fart i'm not even sure if you heard it but what i saw in your eyes was john i know you fart and you are welcome here i saw that in your eyes that look of acceptance in my moment of being down in the trenches and you looked at me with acceptance and you welcomed me with open arms back into your class when you knew that I fart. And (laughs) I felt like you have no idea. Like I, after that, after you gave me that look, I was like, everything's going to be okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's the best story ever. (laughs) Do you remember that? You- <laughs> I I have to be honest with you. I don't remember ah. you doing that. But, you know, be, mostly because I am so very accepting of that. And mm. it's I never want anyone to feel like that they can't come back or they can't they can't do that. And I, I actually have a vague memory of giving you that look or just looking <laughs> at you a certain way. Of just, I think I have this memory of, of like wanting to convey to you that it was okay. 
Like, I don't remember, I don't remember the actual event, but I just wanted to convey that to you because it's super important to me that that didn't ruin your whole idea of, of yoga because it's just, you know, it's what it is. It's just mm-hmm. a human thing. Mm-hmm. So I'm really, gl- I'm really glad that that helped in some way that it conveyed yeah. what I wanted it to. It 100% did. And like an even crazier thing, a couple weeks later, maybe this isn't crazy, but a couple weeks later, I heard somebody else fart in the class. Oh my goodness. And I've never felt solidarity like I have <laughs> in that moment when I knew that I had a fart on my rap sheet and then somebody else let one out. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. We're all just people. Like we're all broken. We all fart and it's okay. Like none of us have our, our gas completely under control. And that exactly. person who farted, I tried to give them a similar look of acceptance. <laughs> fantastic (laughs) and i'm sure there's a good chance that it came off as just creepy and kind of (laughs) weird but (laughs) i tried my best to let that person know that they were accepted and it's okay that we and we all fart uh (laughs) i love it i absolutely love it that's the best oh my goodness thank you for reminding me of that yeah i've been wanting to tell you that for a, a really long time that that how that happened oh my gosh <laughs> i tell this story all the time like basically whenever yoga comes up i tell that story i think it's a great way to get people comfortable with it it is what it yeah. is mm-hmm. um i wish we had uh more time but i want to know i want to know i don't want to get any, into anything else uh before asking this this last question and this is also this is the second question that i ask everybody uh and i like that they're surprise questions because i don't want them to be too thought out or scripted uh so what and this is a cliche question but it's a beautiful one what's your favorite thing about life my favorite thing about life Truthfully, it's probably the way that we, and I know I've used this word endlessly during this whole time, but it's connection Mm -hmm. uh, with other people, not just other people, but with animals, connection Mm. with nature. Uh, You know, the fact that connection can even transcend species. You can have a Mm. connection with an animal and it can be, uh, you know, deep, at least to you. And it's... I think that's one of the most beautiful parts about life is that mm-hmm. we are all connected. And I know that sounds really hippy dippy, but it's, it's something that I've experienced and mm-hmm. I can't get, I can't get enough. Mm. What's your favorite way to connect? I love connecting one-on-one. I, I, you know, even though in like this too, because even though we can't yeah. see each other, I, yeah. uh, but just one-on-one is so special to me. Mm-hmm getting to know each other's hearts. Question. Uh, connection is a big part of it. People, a lot of people will say connection is their favorite thing about life. Connection and discovering the unknown are oh, two yeah. things that virtually every single person has, has said. There's only one person that comes to mind who said something other than that. Uh, I'm sure there's been a, a, a one or two other people who have said something other than connection and discovering the unknown. 
uh, but I can only think of one right now. And so that's, I think that says a lot about humanity. And oh, that, yeah. that when people are provoked with that question that they answer with connection. Oh, that's deep. I love that. That's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. And it's something that I know I run away from a lot, and I'm sure other people run away from it as well. But it's the thing that arguably the thing that we need the most. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Incredible. Heather, this was awesome. I had an absolute blast. Uh, like, regardless, I have zero people listen to this episode. I'm so happy about it. I loved it. Like, Me too. I, learned, I learned a lot from you in this. I appreciate it a lot. Uh, and I'd love to have you on again sometime in the future. And I'd love to just you know, call and not have it be a podcast. <laughs> I'd love that. Yeah, anytime. Yeah. It's just, it's so fun learning from each other. Yeah. Preparing for this podcast, it was so cool because I just got to reread all your stuff and just talking to you now, I feel, uh, like uh like my insides feel uh good like my insides feel better like they've uh like i've been added to that's a good way to put it oh my gosh well that's an honor to be able to to give you that feeling yeah and i've really enjoyed you being really real with me and and also non-judgmental like thank you so much yeah of course heck yeah heather awesome all right all right, Heather. Uh, I will talk to you I hope soon. you have Please a see. have a good night. I will. I'm I'm gonna go to sleep now. <laughs> All right. Good night. Good night. Good morning. <laughs> good morning. Bye. Heather, thank you so much. Thank I you. I will talk to you Same. soon. Same. All right. Talk to you All soon. Right. Bye. Bang! Oh, there's the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. Until next time.